Elizabeth, welcome to uh, Communion Story. Uh, there's so much hidden behind this, dare I say, uh, sweet, <laughs> American, slightly gray-haired lady. Uh, <laughs> let's start there, it'll only get better. <laughs> I'm not going to ask too many questions, Elizabeth, but uh, do begin by telling us a little bit about yourself, where you were born, your family, your upbringing, <coughs> and uh, I might interrupt you a little later on. Um, I hope you can understand my Brooklyn accent. Um, I was never in, uh, lived in Brooklyn, but my parents were raised there, and my father actually was born here in Belfast and came to America as a child. Um, then as they married and had a family, they decided to move upstate. So I was born in Catskill, New York, in the Catskill Mountains in uh, 1950. And um, I'm the middle child of seven children. And um, I grew up as a hippie, uh, like what you would call a flower child. Uh, I was very rebellious, very anti-establishment. Um, whatever the government said, I was out there protesting against it. Um, I also was into drugs. I was introduced to drugs by my elder brother, Bob. I was also very promiscuous, and I had a boyfriend that I lived with for five years uh, before I got married. Um, I moved from New York to California, and there um, I got married and started a business. I owned my own flower shop. But as I was saying, I was using drugs, and so, as many do, those who use drugs sell drugs. So I was selling flowers from the front door and drugs from the back door. And um, I, I'm sure I was high every day of my life for at least 10 years. And in... 1981, I got married, and in 1984, the marriage was in trouble. My husband wanted to move to Hawaii to grow marijuana, and my business was becoming successful, so I said, go ahead and go, I'm not going with you. And I also found a boyfriend while he was in Hawaii, and at this point in my life, I realized I was uh, losing the control of my life. I always thought I was in control of my life, but now I knew I wasn't, and I was crying all the time. I really was very sad about my divorce. I um, waited for two years and tried to reconcile with my husband a couple of times, but it didn't work out. And so I was crying all the time, and so uh, a person who came into my flower shop on a regular basis saw, him, saw me crying all the time and sent their pastor in to talk to me. So that was in 1985, and this man came in and uh, started telling me that I need to accept Jesus, and I kept saying to him, 
yeah, yeah, I know all about Jesus. I'm a Catholic. And he said, no, you need to give the control of your life to Jesus Christ. And so in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'm not doing a good job of running my life now. I'm really messing it up bad. So I was willing. I was willing to turn over the control of my life to someone else. And so I made a decision that night, December 27th, 1985, and it was a uh, dramatic conversion. It was, um, uh, the burdens were lifted, I stopped crying, and um, I was given a promise of a new life, and I was thrilled to have a second chance, and um, I was going to the flower market. I went to the flower market usually every night. I lived just outside of Los Angeles, and there was a large flower market where I would buy the flowers, and I would go three or four o'clock in the morning, and on that particular night I went, and for the first time in years, I saw stars in the sky, and everything became beautiful, and I went around telling strangers, God loves me. It was just so thrilling to know um, the love of God. So it took a while for me to get off of drugs and to give up my boyfriend. And um, I started going to church and I knew I needed more strength because I was living with one foot in the world and one foot out of the world. And I read a book by a man named Frost about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I was seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I went into my bedroom one day and I just told the Lord that I'm not coming out of the bedroom until I've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so I spent about an hour praying, and, and then I started speaking in tongues. And when I started speaking in tongues, I took this as the evidence that I had been baptized in the Spirit. And um, from that day on, everything changed. I was given uh, a power to say no to sin, and I was also given uh, boldness, and I was no longer shy. I would share my faith in Jesus Christ with everybody. Before that, I was very shy about it. And so I was very grateful uh, for uh, this promise from the Father. And I really... Um, I found a scripture in uh, Galatians 2.20. I'll read it to you. It says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loves me and gave himself for me. So I, I really took that on board, that I had died, and it was Christ now living in me. Barbara, that's uh, quite a story. How did you get from California then 
in the West to Florida. Right, I moved to Florida in 1990. Um, after um, praying about it, I felt that God had something more for my life than just uh, making money selling flowers. So I decided to sell my business and move to Florida where my parents, uh, they call them snowbirds, uh, they move from up in the north to the south when they retire. And my mom and dad had moved to Florida. And we were uh, not on speaking terms because of my lifestyle. And so I decided I was going to try and reconcile my relationship with my parents. So I sold my business and I moved to Florida. And uh, thank God my parents were very good, you know, about forgiving me. And um, I still have a home in Florida and my 92-year-old mother still lives in Florida. But then um, when I got to Florida, I, I felt that I wanted to um, go on short-term missions trips. So I, my first trip was to the Congo. I went on a medical missions trip. I wasn't involved in medical things at all, but um, they let me just count out the pills, so that was my job. <laughs> and in 1992, when, when I was coming back from this trip from Morocco, I was on the plane and I definitely sensed the Lord saying to me, I'll be expecting more from you now. And so I just said, yes, Lord, whatever. So I started working as a nursing assistant and then I went to nursing school, became a nurse. And when I graduated from nursing school, I went to Haiti and I lived in Haiti for a year and a half. And I um, established a, a bush clinic and trained some Haitians to continue the work. And I got very sick, I had malaria and um, was too weak to continue the work. So I went home. I left Haiti after a year and a half and I went back to Florida. And then I went to Bible College in Florida. And in 2001, I went on the Mercy Ship in Sierra Leone on the Anastasis, I was in charge of uh, cleaning the surgical equipment, sterilizing the equipment. And on my way back from the Mercy Ship, I had to go through a country, uh, Guinea, a Conakry, Guinea. And I was sitting in the airport, and at that time, um, it was the call to prayer, noontime call to prayer. And so all the Muslims came out of the shop, laid down their rugs, and started to pray. And I remember saying, what is this? You know, this looks serious. I hadn't had a lot of exposure to Islam. And um, since then, I definitely felt that God has put it on my heart to reach out to Muslim people. So I... In the following couple of years, I started taking short-term missions trips to Morocco. And I um, visited different Berber uh, people in the Atlas Mountains, and then I moved to Morocco. I lived in Morocco. I, w I became part of an organization called World Horizons. They're in Wales. It's a mis mission-sending organization. And I lived in Morocco for six years, and then I went back to the States 
in 2011, and I uh, helped my mom, who uh, had broken her hip, and get her walking again. And then when she was fine, she told me she didn't need me anymore. And so I started praying to be sent out again to the field. And I tried to establish a ministry in Florida to reach out to Muslims in Florida, but nobody was interested. And I came to a Bangor Worldwide Convention one year to visit a friend of mine here who worked with me in Morocco, and she and I went to Bangor. And there I met uh, William and Stanley, and they uh, work with Belfast City Missions, and they have a ministry reaching out to the Somali women here in Belfast, the, the Somali community. There's about 600 Somalis here in Belfast. And so I've been working with them for three years now, and I mostly help with English classes for the Somali women. But I'm also involved in um, trying to establish a prayer meeting in Dublin for the Muslims who live in Dublin. There's roughly 37,000 Muslims in Dublin, and I really am hoping to get the Christians in Dublin praying for the salvation of the Muslims there. And um, one other thing um, is uh, this summer I have an opportunity to go to Greece at the Macedonian border, and I'm going to be helping in the refugee camps at the Macedonia border of Greece. So I appreciate your prayers for me. Elizabeth, I think we should pray. Those are some incredible opportunities that you've been given, just thinking about where you've come from, dispensing one sort of drugs, and then uh, <laughs> the Lord opened up other opportunities for that. We <laughs> praise God for mm -hmm. his salvation in your life. Amen. And uh, as we see you serving here, I've often bumped into Elizabeth in uh, the emergency department in the Royal as I'm going to visit somebody, she's there with some of the Somali women helping them. So let's pray for God to work through you uh, and in those lives. Thank you, Gordon.